Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mitchell. Tom is another one of your hosts. Oh, uh, today. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, sorry, I just jumped in there. Yeah, well, uh, with that, that energy, is it? All right. Today we chose <laughs> chaos. Uh, today we're actually delving into the captivating world of the Nobel Prize, its history, laureates, controversies, the transformations that is caused over the world. So, uh, yeah, sit down and let's get ready to dive in. You can find us on, on your favorite socials. Just search for the information entry pod. Boom. We'll be there. We'll be there. How's it going, Tom? You good? <laughs> yeah, it's going alright. Apparently, I'm on the on the side of chaos today. Yeah. Uh, the, the, sorry about that. It's good called uh, the Nurgles. Well, it's not Nurgles. Nurgles? Oh, I don't know. Chaos Warp. Are you referencing some obscure '90s TV show again? No, I'm probably referencing one of the most prolific tabletop games known to man. <laughs> um. Okay. Can, can Tom guess what it is? No. Most played throughout the country, maybe on like a Friday night, maybe like on a Wednesday night. There's miniatures, okay. people paint them. Um, I, I'd be going for Warhammer, maybe? Yeah, Warhammer 40k. Okay. The, the, the One of the gods of the warp, which is like the chaos area. Which I'm thinking is easier. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really up on my one. But I'm pretty sure it's like an alternate universe. That the, the chaos is part of where all like the horrors exist. Right. Like imagine like Cthulhu had a plane. Okay. It's like that. Right. <laughs> that Fair. Oh, just Cthulhu. With, I'm just so lost right now. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, you said it's the side of chaos. That's the side of chaos. The Nurgles. Right. Oh, I'll accept it. Nurgles. Yeah. I've looked up. Nurgles. Is it the Nurgles yeah. is from Harry Potter? I always get that. Is it's um, Luna Lovegood? She's like, oh, the Luna. Nurgles. <laughs> <laughs> that ten out of ten accent. That was. Thank you. I, uh, straight the, no, straight, just straight off the dome. Off the no, dome. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sure, maybe you practice that, but I'd be surprised. No. No, 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 yeah. We do it live. We do it live. Uh, right. So this week we'll do the Nobel Prize because is it last week, week before? We mentioned it last week. I'm pretty sure it was week before. We that. did mention it last week, but the... today was the last day that they are able to announce the the winners. So from the second to the seventh, um, to the ninth, sorry, which is today for us recording ahead of time. Um, yeah, they they've announced all the winners now. So I thought it was a good thing to cover. Before well, they could do like years it. after, they could award them like post. Uh, yes, but they, they award a set of prizes each year and they're announced within the first two weeks of October. Each year. Okay. Yeah. And here right. we are. Okay. They announced the last one today. Oh, cool. Good for that person yeah. that we'll get to. I'm sure yes. you've got it written down. I do. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, before we dive into all that good stuff, we normally do the news. We but normally do the, the news. news. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the news this week is, is all about uh, taste. Oh. So, what are the five different basic tastes, Tom? Oh, uh, um, sweet, sour, yeah. 
Yeah. Umami. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there's two really basic ones that I am blanking on so hard right now. My brain went umami. Don't forget umami. And now I can't it's remember the one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is fat one? No, mate. It's no. Fat is a one. Uh, sweet sour umami. Yeah, I've got to umami, and my brain just gone off the rails. So why don't you just uh, <laughs> salt? You carry on with this. Ah, oh, see, I thought salt was umami. Ah. No, no, so umami's richness. Yeah, is the yeah. richness and something, and then the bitter is the last one. Ah, oh, it makes so much sense. Bitter, great song. Um, but so they're actually possible evidence. Scholars have discovered evidence of a sixth basic taste. Oh, that's going to destroy the wheel, isn't it? Yeah. Well, if anything, it's going to make it stronger because it's an extra spoke. <laughs> well, is it complimentary to umami? What? D- don't what worry. Mean? Well, because uh, sweet sour opposites, your bitter salt opposite. Like, if you go opposite yeah, but how can on the you wheel, have opposites of five, mate? Because umami is like a separate. It's in the middle. Oh, okay. Well, I was just thinking yeah. like spokes of a tire. Like, yeah. if you've got four spokes or five spokes. Honestly, five it's spokes a pretty terrible wheel because you yeah. have, like, an extra bit on it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they call it the wheel anyway. <laughs> well, apparently, so the tongue responds to ammonia, ammonium chloride. I haven't thought yeah. of a, a, a one-word thing to make it snappy like the rest of them. But, yeah, so ammonium chloride, which is a popular ingredient uh, in Scandinavian candies, like licorice. Oh no! So the it's, why are you saying oh no? Do you know like, oh, you know, like licorice? <clears throat> I went from licorice to um, aniseed. Ah, uh, yeah, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. To sambuca, sambuca to oh, oh no! no. And all no. you got was oh no! <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. no. sambuca's no, not 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 a great time. Yeah. So the OTOP one protein receptor previously linked to the sour taste, is activated by ammonium chloride. So the ability to taste ammonium chloride may have evolved to help organisms avoid harmful substances. What's that? Like licorice? licorice. Oh, so basically, it's if you like licorice, you like poison. Well, that's the what same that with hot sauce or vinegar. <laughs> so humans are weird. Mate, yeah, hu- humans comes be weird. Food. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I didn't realise this, but so sweet, sour, salt, and bitter all established years ago, years and years, years ago. Then a mm. Japanese scientist, uh, Kikune Akeda, Akeda? Akeda, uh, proposed Unami in the 1900s, and it took eight decades for the scientific community to officially agree with him. Now, oh, wow. So, hey, eight, eight years. Uh, now scientists led by researchers at the Dornsif College of Letters, Arts and Sciences have evidence of a sixth basic taste. Uh, in research, it's published. Uh, <laughs> hang about. Hold the phone. In research published October 10th. Oh, well. Tomorrow, in Nature's <laughs> Communication, <laughs> neuroscientists Emily Lemon and her team found that tongues respond to ammonium chloride through the same protein receptors that signal sour tastes. Um. Well, sometimes yeah. um, the press do get like a press release version, and yeah, they say, yeah, "Hey, this one, is coming one. out tomorrow," just so, to so drum up some. Uh, so yeah. on on release, this this would have come out a few days ago of, of our podcast. Yes. Um, 
they also thought they might have actually found an answer to why as well. It's not just they found it, but we also found out why. And it's all to do with the protein called OTOP1 that sits within cell membranes and forms a channel for hydrogen ions to move into the cell. That works. So hydrogen ions are a key component of acids and foodies everywhere know the tongue senses acids as sour. Learning for me, uh, that's why lemonade rich in citric and absorbic acids, uh, vinegar and other acidic foods imply zing of tartness when they hit the tongue. Oh, oh. learning, learning today. Yeah, I'm learning. Yeah, <laughs> hydrogen ions from these acidic substances move into the taste receptor cells through the OTOP1 channel. And because ammonium chloride can affect the concentration of acid, that is hydrogen ions, within a cell, the team wondered if they could somehow trigger OTOP1. To answer this question, they introduced OTOP1 gene into a lab-grown human cell. So the cells produce the OTOP1 receptor protein. They then exposed the cell to acid or to ammonium chloride and measured the response. And they showed, they showed there was a strong activator in that channel. Wild. Yep. So ammonium chloride gives us a small amount of ammonia, which moves inside the cells and raises the pH, making it more alkaline, which means fewer hydrogen ions. This pH difference drives a protein influx through the OTOP channel. Um, yeah. To confirm the results, there they was more than a laboratory artifact. They turned a technique to measure electrical conductivity, simulating how nerves conduct a signal using taste buds from a normal mouse and from a mouse that had previously genetically engineered to not produce OTOP1. Imagine being a genetically produced person that couldn't enjoy acid. Uh, I, I'm sure someone <laughs> has a mutation. <laughs> Um, they well, measured well, how well the, the, the taste cells generate the electrical response called acting action potentials when ammonium chloride is introduced. And it showed there was a sharp increase. So yeah, there's possibly a sixth on the way. Hopefully it doesn't take eight decades to go this time. Well, you'd hope so. Um, you would, you would hope, you would hope. Well, I guess you never know. Science, scientists can be quite... Uh, robust and not non non wavering in a lot of their things sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, especially mm -hmm. if it's been established for a while. Yeah, uh, but I, I've never really thought about this. But, but I'm, it's we were talking about color blindness uh, a few episodes ago. Um, yes, super Bending interesting. Was. Yeah, how th that is uh, just you have since we have three different cones um, and each of them can be affected differently. So I'm. I'm, I'm sure taste buds must have a similar thing going on there and mm -hmm. people may go their whole lives because I guess it's it's less of a um an issue in day-to-day -day life being able to taste things than than it is to see see color I, I don't know but um so I'm sure there must be something like that that would be interesting to look at if anyone wants to go do a PhD on that for me so I can under I I know that question. That'd be great. Just yeah. go go do that. Uh, if someone's already done that, let me know. <laughs> uh, I'll look into it over the week. Cool. Well, that's wild. I, I I knew nothing about that about food. Yeah. Uh, what would you call it? What are they called? Gastron gastronomers gastronomers gastronomist. Yeah, gastronomist? They're, they're ones like. Hey, pretty sure it is gastronomist, by the way. Um, 
Oh, that wasn't a guess. That was me explaining what the word was. Thought, come on, mate. <laughs> chose chaos this is earlier. You're not following through. Yeah, um, just following through. Because they always like do the research into like how acid reacts with like your tongue and all that kind of jazz. Like like these these individuals, hmm. like combining two things and how that sits on the tongue, what causes it. Those are the real wizards of the the food world. Honestly, just wizards, just wizards. Full stop wizards. That's Just, essentially modern day wizard, wizardry. Harry. Misery. <laughs> misery. That's great. That's the uh, the wizarding artifact of pay- making people miserable. <laughs> misery. <laughs> oh, I know a miserist. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I used to know a miserist. <laughs> right. Let's steer this shit back on course, shall we? Yeah, um, let's get some facts on the go. Yeah, I've done facts, those. Didn't you? Oh yeah. You, 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 oh, you did actually. That's the first. No, I didn't. Uh, oh, okay. But I can give. Uh, no, I can't. No. 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 So my fact that I, I'm reliable for uh, the youngest Nobel Peace Prize to be uh, delivered to an individual awarded is probably a better word than delivered to an individual like awarded the recipient. Recipients. Uh, was actually jointly awarded to in 2014 to Kalish Satithia and Malamala Yusufizia. Yep. Yep. Just going to pause there. Uh, for the struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to education. It's the individual that showed great personal courage. Uh, Kalish Satithia, maintaining Ghani's tradition, has headed various forms of protest, demonstration, or peaceful focusing on grave expectations of children or financial gain. But wasn't she, like, in... Wasn't that, like, a heroic struggle at one point where, like, something bad happens and she's, she's a survivor? Um, oh, I wouldn't yeah. be able to say, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think I believe that was the case. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And that, that was a peace... Was that a peace prize, I presume? Yeah, that was a peace prize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should give a trigger warning to say I'm going to pronounce some names horrendously wrong this episode. Uh, and that may offend warning, some Tom. ears. That's just, that's just a warning. We've been over it this. may be so <laughs> offensive. A trigger warning is something very specific. So we're just a, an auditory uh, uh, warning. I'm, I'm just saying it may just be so <laughs> offensive the way I pronounce these things that uh, I'm warning you now. Um. So I first looked at Alfred well, Nobel himself. Mate, so oh, just my tell, Lord, you, sorry, you, you said you won fact. Old, mate. It's fine. Oh, sorry, I thought you said you won fact that you're reliable for. Carry on, mate. I'll just, actually, I'll just mute my mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with the youngest, I also went for the oldest. Oh, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Do you know who the oldest was? I don't know. John Goodenough. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah. At age 97. Bloody hell. Uh, was in chemistry, awarded in 2019. The individual was born in 1922. Honestly, you've got to be careful giving someone that old a, a Nobel Prize. Especially when they were born in Germany. Yeah. Wild. Yep. Uh, so it's for the development of lithium-ion batteries. Well, they have changed the world, so I completely get that. Yep. Yeah. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Fair play indeed. So we've mentioned it a few times, Tom. Now that we can continue with the fact that we've finished the facts, 
Now that I'm saying that we finished the facts, what even is it? What is the Nobel Prize? Oh, see, I even went a step further back than that. I was just like, Alfred Nobel. Who was uh, he? Did, did you know? You I bet he's, he's he's of that age where I can guarantee and just say he was racist. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't. I don't know. Um, so Alfred it's Bernard awful. Noble, twenty uh, first of October, eighteen thirty three, to the tenth of December, eighteen ninety six, a Swedish chemist, engineer, inventor, businessman, and philanthropist. Oh um, yeah, was he racist? Yeah, Probably. No, 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 not, not just racist. Anti-Semitic. Ah, oh, well. Uh, Revealed the chauvinism and anti-Semitism of the Swedish tycoon behind the prestigious prize that bears his name. He had a okay. mistress in uh, Vienna. Yes, Viennese. It's Vienna. Yeah, that's a. It's a shame. Yeah, well, history has not made a great people, but yeah. at least the thing that we remember or is linked to his name does do great things uh, in the world of science today. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a bit of background just so we know where it's come from and why it exists today. Um, so Nobel originally studied with a chemist, Nikolai Zinin, in uh, Sweden in 1850 and moved to Paris where he was working with Ascanio Sobrero, uh, who had invented nitroglycerin. Now, Nobel was quite interested in finding a way to control and use nitroglycerin as a commercially usable explosive because it had a high, much higher, or much more power than gunpowder. So at age 18, he went over to the States to study for a year, uh, working for Swedish-American inventor John Ericsson. Uh, he designed the uh, American Civil War ironclad, the USS Monitor, and Nobel then, for in 1857, filed his first patent, which was an English patent for a gas meter. While um, after that, over his lifetime, he went on to gather 355 patents around the world. Uh, his most famous being an evolution of nitroglycerin, being dynamite. So we can thank dynamite. him for all them explosions. Yeah. Uh, but one of the great things about having so many patents out in the world is that eventually you're going to find someone who's infringed upon them. Um, so due to his inventions, Alfred Nobel had amassed a huge wealth over his lifetime. And I'm so sure a few lawsuits helped in that. But in 1888, uh, Nobel was apparently reading an obituary of his brother. Uh, the merchant of death is dead, is what it said in the French new- newspaper. And he started to think about how he was going to be remembered. So he felt somewhat disconcerted about this and decided to change his will over the last year of his life. Uh, So he died in his villa in San Remo, Italy, from a cerebral hemorrhage. He was only 63 years old at the time. Um, But it was 1895, so maybe not horrendous for back then. But to the widespread astonishment, and maybe Mitch's facts there before I started this piece will atone to why this was an astonishment. Nobel's last will specified that his fortune be used to create a series of prizes for those who confer the greatest benefit on mankind in physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature and peace. Nobel bequeathed 94% of his total assets, which is 31 million SEK, which is around 150 million euros in 2008, or 186 million US dollars, 
uh, to establish these five prizes. Uh, uh, although, despite uh, him passing in 1895, it wasn't until 1900, I think, or 1901 that the first prize was given out, due to people being very sceptical about whether this was correct or not. And obviously people expecting to get a large proportion of his will and not receiving it, being quite uh, upset about that. Um, uh, yeah, so that brings us on to uh, the Nobel Foundation, which is basically just the organisation that was set up in on June 1900 to manage the finances and administrations of the Nobel Prizes. And they kind of market the prizes internationally and oversee all kind of the informal administration related to the, 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 the prizes. And uh, yeah, D does that answer your question of what the prizes are? Maybe at least where they come they came from. Yeah. Did you say when the first um, one was? What, sorry? Did you say when the first one was? In the first that? one was 1901, I believe. Hmm... That could that could that, that could be incorrect. First ever Nobel Prize. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes, what well, nineteen oh one to Frederick Passy and Henrik Dunant, who share a prize of one hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred and eighty two Swedish kroner. Um, yes. There was um, no, the economic side of things. Economic science yes. was then established later, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, the Nobel Prize category is physics, uh, is awarded for outstanding contribution to the fields of physics, chemistry, awarded for exceptional achievements in the field of chemistry. You can see they just kind of change one word here between Yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't need to go through all the I'm uh, going to guess literature is also going to be... <laughs> literature, uh, so literature includes authors, poets, playwrights. Peace is awarded to individuals or organisations. It's the only one that can be also be awarded to organisations that have made significant efforts to promote peace and resolve conflicts. And then in 1968, uh, I'm about to absolutely butcher this, uh, Sveriges Riksbank, or the Swedish National Bank, established the Prize in Economic Sciences in memory of Alfred Nobel, uh, commonly referred to as the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences. Um, and the prizes are awarded annually. And the only times they haven't been awarded annually is during World War Two, actually. So 1938, 1939, uh, obviously Germany was being a menace to the world. Um, and they actually forbade three laureates from Germany, uh, Richard Kuhn, Adolf Friedrich, Johann Butenand, and Gerard Domac, from accepting the prizes that they had been awarded that year. Um but uh, I think during the occupation of Norway, three members of the Norwegian Nobel Committee had also fled into exile, meaning that they weren't, uh, you know, obviously administrating uh, Nobel Prizes and things like that. Um, but the committee had said that the building in Oslo was actually Swedish property, which meant it was a safe haven for people to f uh, flee into during the war, because obviously the Germans were unable to attack it, considering they were not at war with uh, Sweden. Mm. So, yeah, operates out of Norway, um, but is Norway. a Swedish-based foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the yeah. year after, by the way. Uh, the, for the economic prize. What's that? The uh, first was awarded. Ah, yes. In, in 69. 1969, nice. yeah. 
He so introduced Although, the 68 and awarded annually from there. Yeah. Although technically not a Nobel Prize, it is identified with the award. Okay. I guess um, it wasn't one of the original five. Well, it's not even a, a Nobel, technically speaking. Yeah. It's an economic award that you get. Oh, okay. In economic sciences, and it's just you just so happen to be presented at the same time during oh, okay. the Nobel Prize award ceremony, but you, you can't get a Nobel because it. I get why because it's not showing, like, outstanding humanity. You know, whatever you said before, <laughs> with, <laughs> with like with peace, literature, medicine, chemistry, physics, like the sciences, and then well, people say there's a science behind economics, and there is, but you know, you think of those as the very like uh, traditional sciences, right? Yeah, and it's also um, the economics prize. It also seems very capitalisty, whereas the rest of yes. them is like here's the pursuit of humanity yeah. that will make us better as humans in the long run, whereas the economics is great you worked out how to save money or make money <laughs> well uh, the the laureate for the Nobel prize in economic sciences this year um was awarded uh, claudia golden for having advanced our understanding of women's labor market outcomes uh, she's done a lot of work over her lifetime to get women equal pay um so that that's the the, the topic they they've hit on this year with with that prize in in particular, so not just save money, uh, but get people equal access to, in their respective fields. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, that's a, a quick background. I would say that's what I've got on yeah. the background. But uh, where would you where where would you like to steer? Oh. Selection process. conversation. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? It does. How do they choose the prestige? Who gets the prestige? Oh, just um, hat in a bag. Yeah, every it's scientist in the names world. Names in. I, I said a, hat in a bag, but I meant hat, names no, in a hat. No, mate, it's ma- lots of hats <laughs> in a very big bag. Uh, it's some like weird tradition that's been brought down from when like um, <laughs> Ebola hats. <laughs> <everything. laughs> That's the reference oh, to anybody that knows. Um, Volahats are a thing. They wrote your names on the inside. Yeah, so oh. that's not that's not it. it. A considerable amount of research goes into the selection of the prize winners. Although the, the winners are announced in October and November, the selection process begins in early autumn of the preceding year when the prize awarding institution invites more than 6,000 individuals to propose or nominate candidates for the prizes. Some 1,000 people submit nominations for each prize, and the number of nominees, nominees usually ranges from 100 to 250. Among those nominated are Nobel laureates, members of the prize awarding institution themselves, scholars acting in the you know in all the fields that we talked about, so physics, chemistry, economics, physiology, medicine, and officials and members of diverse universities and learned uh, ac- academias. When Academics? I say it like that, it sounds too, it's too much like the nut. <laughs> um, honestly, it could be just be that as well. <laughs> the respondents must supply a written proposal that details their candidates' worthiness, 
Self-nominations automatically disqualify you. Uh, prize proposals must be submitted to the Nobel Committee on or before January 31st of the award year. Then on February the 1st, the six Nobel Committees, one for each category, start their work on the nominations received. Outside experts are frequently consulted during the process in order to help the committee determine the originality and significance of each nominee's contribution, which is so much work. During September yeah. and early October, the Nobel Committee have accomplished their work and submit their recommendations to the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences and the other prize-awarding institutions. A committee's recommendation is usually, but not invariably, followed. So they could just change it. Uh, the deliberations and the voting within these institutions are secret at all stages, and the final decision by the orders must be made by the November the 15th. Prizes may be given only. To, it sounds like I'm reading the terms and conditions of the Nobel <laughs> Prize. I just realize it. <laughs> so if I read this really quick and do it in like a, um, what's it called? Like an American trader kind of voice. Uh, prizes may be only given to individuals. <laughs> yeah. See, eh? Uh, except. <laughs> only to individuals except the Peace Prize, which may also be conferred to one institution, as Tom said earlier. An individual may not be nominated posthumously, but the winner who dies before receiving the prize may be awarded it posthumously. As with Dag Hammarskjöld for peace in 1961, uh, Eric Axel Kaufelt for literature in 1931, and Ralph M. Steinman for physiology and medicine in 2011. Steinman was named a winner several days after his death. I remember that. Several days after his death, which is unbeknownst to the Nobel Academy, it was decided that he would remain a Nobel laureate since the proposal of the posthumous rule was to prevent prizes being deliberately awarded to deceased individuals. The awards may not be appealed. Official support, whether diplomatic or political for certain candidates, has no bearing on the award process because the prize awarders, as such, are independent of the state. Okay. I do like how they've had to add in a rule that's like, oh, yeah, you can't nominate yourself. Mm -hmm. Who woke up one day and went, I deserve a Nobel Prize? <laughs> Nominated themselves. <laughs> Me. I would do Ah, that. I see. Yeah, fair. I, uh, if, if you want a Nobel it, Prize, what would it be in, mate? Like, what would it be in? Like, if you actually won mm. one for things that you've done, what would it be? <laughs> so, right, in my world house, I, would, I think I would have to go for peace. Because okay. I'm not smart enough or well or academic enough to do like physics, chemistry physiology medicine or i can maybe like do literature i believe but it I think you just write the well. sickest dnd campaign of all yeah, time yeah that would, it would like cause world peace uh no but the Nobel <laughs> peace prize i reckon you could do okay uh like without having specific knowledge if that makes sense like you oh, do it from just mean. being like just a really activist. good like like an activist, like helping individuals, like doing a campaign to help individuals, like going above and beyond that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Like, what's what's easier, doing that campaign to help individuals on like such a grand scale that it's Nobel Prize worthy, or learning how physics works, <laughs> and then or doing either well of those enough? things just to get a prize? Ah, oh, they'll probably revoke it at that point. <laughs> what if they found out? Like they've got found a letter from me to you. Years yeah. like, so it says it 10 years ago you sent a letter to tom gent saying that you really wanted one of these prizes so you set <laughs> out on a campaign to do it 
I'm not sure they would revoke yeah. it, to be honest, if that was the case, because I'm sure there's some scientists out there that are like, I want a Nobel Prize. I'm going to find something awesome in physics. Well, that's a big bang theory plot, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, it is. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Jeez. Well, I'm not saying that they get it. I'm just saying that, that they're after that. No, no, he does. He does get it. I'll spoil it for okay. you. It's, it's finished. Okay. It ended <laughs> years ago. Uh, many years ago, yeah. Many, many years ago. Good time, though. Until you take the, the laugh track away, and then it's quite depressing. It's, it's, an, it's an all right watch. If you don't take it too seriously, like a lot of people do. Yes. Like, the general people are like, oh, take out the laugh track and it's not funny. I'm like, if you if you want funny, watch stand-up. Yeah. Like, if you want just, like, entertainment, Big Bang's good. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have on. Yeah. In the um, background. <laughs> when you're doing something else more important. Um <laughs> Right. So, so one thing with the, the award process that was originally in the terms and conditions of the will, actually, was that the uh, prizes would be awarded in recognition of discoveries made during the preceding year. That's literally a quote from 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 the will. Uh, and so early on, that they, they, they did this, they awarded um, recent discoveries where that were you know fr- from the previous year. However. Uh, the longer like they did this, the, the more they realized that some of these early discoveries were later discredited. Uh, one of the more famous examples here comes from Johannes uh, Fibiger, who was awarded the 1926 Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his purported discovery of a parasite that caused cancer, uh, which we now know to be absolutely not true. So to avoid repeating this embarrassment and having to revoke such a prize, I mean, imagine asking for your Nobel Prize back. Um, the awards increasingly recognised scientific discoveries that had withstood the test of time. According to Ralph Peterson, who was the former chairman for the Nobel Prize Committee for Physiology and Medicine, he said, the criterion, the previous year, is interpreted by the Nobel Assembly as the year when the full impact of the discovery has become evident. So, yeah, in order to make sure they're not rushing to credit scientists with massive discoveries that could later on in not too many years find out to be uh, not great. Uh, they, they seem to award these things for a lifetime achievement, unless it's something massive, mm-hmm. as a couple of the, the, the winners were this this year, which, which we'll get on to towards the end of the show, I suppose. Um so that's where that shift has come from. And I suppose it also allows time for people who maybe were overlooked or didn't have that one massive, like, one-hit wonder of a, what do you call it, of a achievement, but they had a lifetime success. Yeah. Uh, it also allows them to be recognized as well. So, yes, there, there, there can be some time lag between discovery and uh, awarding or winning mm-hmm. of the... Uh, the prize as well. Yeah. Makes sense. It does. It does. Um, and then they get some prizes, don't they? They do. They do get some prizes. You just get a shiny award. Was it? Oh, and more. And more. Imagine. So they get a medal. Didn't one, of the, face one on of the individuals that won the, the prize have to sell it to... Just so he could live. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's a sad, sad story. But I think one of the one of the older ones, like yeah, 
That's a... one of our many fun facts. Uh, well, yeah, when we do like sad not facts. so fun facts, yeah. Oh yeah, they're not so the sad <laughs> facts. They're not so fun facts, yeah. Um, yeah that's the case. Oh, that is sad. So the the medal. Each medal features an image of Alfred Nobel in left profile. Uh, the medals for physics, chemistry, and physiology, or medicine and literature have identical uh, obverses, so b- both sides. Um, Nobel's portrait appears on one side in the Nobel Peace Prize and for the Economics Prize with slightly different designs. Um, and yeah, the image on the reverse of the medal varies uh, according to the institution awarding the prize. Um but chemistry and physics share the same design, actually. Nice. They used to be made out of 23 karat gold, but not anymore because the I think it was the old Swedish mint, the company that used to make them, went bankrupt. So they had to get a private company to start doing it. But the, the Nobel Foundation actually owns the patent for the coin, oh. or as it, as, as it is, the, the metal yeah. shape. So no one else is allowed to produce them. Legally, anyway. Um, uh, the Nobel laureates also receive a diploma directly from the hand of the King of Sweden, or in the case of the Peace Prize, the Chairman of the Norwegian Nobel Committee. Each diploma is uniquely designed each year by the prize-awarding institution. And the laureates are also given a bit of money, which is nice. Um, in, in the, uh, so they get a document of confirming the amount that they have been awarded. It depends each year how much the foundation uh, is allowed to, to give away. Uh, in the 1980s, it was around um, 880,000 krona per prize, mm-hmm. which is about 2.6 million krona or 350,000 US dollars. Uh, in 2009, it was up to $1.4 million. And in 2012, it had gone down to about $1.1 million. Yeah, now, if... Yeah, uh, shrinkflation, even hitting the Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same price. It's a smaller coin smaller. these days. The coin's <laughs> is a little bit smaller, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't put it on A4 anymore. It's A5. <laughs> yeah. gone uh, off in, if, it's gone up in price, but it's smaller. <laughs> if two laureates share the same prize in a category, the monetary reward is divided equally between them. If there are three, however, which is the maximum number of people who can share a prize, um the committee has the option of dividing it between the three equally or giving one half to one recipient and a quarter to the others each. However, it does say that it's quite common for recipients to donate the prize money to some uh, scientific benefit or cultural or humanitarian causes as well. Um, but I, I, I guess it would depend on the, the, the place that that person is in monetarily. Mm. Yeah. One of those things where you th- you think, I don't know. I'm just thinking of if you're. I don't want to take the bias of like if you're really good at science, and you're of that age, like not like a new man, but all like older science that you'd have to be quite privileged anyway to get to that level. Uh, because you, you've been in an institution and you're probably a lecturer or professor or yeah. something. So especially old, you're probably yeah, middle-aged, to, to, white. To get <laughs> to spending that much time yeah. just being able to indulge, not indulge, indulge is the wrong word, but it kind of is. Because people, well, you know, like science, yeah. people love it. 
but to be able to just surround yourself and just be immersed in that area, I think you'd have to come from quite privileged background. Yeah, I'd say so. It's yeah. harder to break into it if you didn't weren't already privileged. I think I'm gonna say. I would like to think in you know, twenty thirty years time we'd start to see a shift, because the um, yeah. there was such a big bias towards having men in the field and and, and not women. Um, still today we see a massive bias in the amount of men that have been awarded the the, the Nobel prizes. Uh, this year the fifth woman was awarded the Nobel prize. Um, the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences, Claudia Golden, uh, as Mitch said, this is not technically an actual Nobel Prize. So still only five women ha- have been awarded the, the prize in, in its history. Mm. So, so I'm hoping that changes. Um, two of them were the joint, weren't they? Because it was the, it was the beast I, one. Yes. The two youngest ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that changes. And it, that's reflected, but I guess because they're doing this, oh, we're looking at the lifetime impact. It's more likely to be a guy, uh, someone who identifies as male anyway, because unfortunately, um, male identifying individuals had more access to science. Mm. So, yeah. As of 2023, 65 Nobel Prizes and memorial prizes in the economic sciences have been awarded to 64 women. Oh. So, 800, I just want to put this in perspective, 900-ish men, 60 women, and 27 organisations. Um, 16% of the Nobel Peace Prizes have been awarded to women. 14 oh, Okay, I'm completely wrong there. 5.6 to physiology and medicine. Uh, eight have won the prize of chemistry, five have won the physics, and two for economic sciences. So most is the highest percentage in peace. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I think that the fifth then that I was on about was uh, just in chemistry mm-hmm. last week. So, okay. Well, okay. That's a higher percentage than I thought, thankfully, but still not great. Yeah. 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 It's 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 a hard thing. It's a very it's 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 a hard thing. Hard thing to debate and hard thing to because there's so much. Yeah. It's kind of like those men shouldn't have had all the access, right? Because it should have been fair. Yet it just because they did doesn't mean they shouldn't be recognised for that, right? Yeah. Especially Um, like now, as well, because there was there was a period of time where education was less <laughs> it was less money to get into like higher level of academics like a few years above us it was three thousand pounds for a year yes. university but for us it was nine yeah or for me i'm not sure if you use them but for me it was nine thousand yeah, yeah. pounds a uh, year me. which you know in the uk we've got the student finance and it technically doesn't count as a debt and it's just held by the government and they can do whatever they want which is i find absolutely atrocious that they can just change the interest rate when they want based on whatever they want um but like other countries you don't have that like america like student debt is just one of the biggest sources of crippling individuals so it just seems like if you wanted to start off your career 
and say you wanted to become like a professor or a doctor, if you were in one of those locations, it'd be so difficult. Like you'd, Especially you'd, because you'd... like to be a doctor, you need to go to med school uh, oftentimes on top of university. So you go to university for three, four years, then you go to med school for six years. Ah, yes, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Unless you're like lucky enough to be in business where you can like work in your field as the same time as trying to get your doctorate in that same field. Yeah. Which helps. But like it yeah, it does it help, like, but that is seems, rare. It seems right? very, very privileged. Is one I guess one of the one of the issues, one of the controversies. Yes. Um which is a few. Should we go into it? No. Should yeah, we, no, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, go go for it. Uh, yeah. So they haven't been, despite the prestige of the Nobel Prize, uh, it's not been immune to controversy over the years. Some notable controversies and criticisms include overlooked achievements. One reoccurring controversy is when individuals or groups who made significant contributions that are overlooked or not recognised. This can be due to various reasons, including biases, political, or the restriction, or to only three uh, laureates in each category. Some notable examples include uh, Rosalind Franklin's admission in the discovery of the DNA structure and absence of recognition for certain crucial advancements in science and literature. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine um, that. The, the DNA structure one is a... A massive one that I'm quite aware of now, but definitely wasn't before. You know, going going through biology. Yeah. Um, was, was that was that Crick and Watson who took the the prize there? Yeah, stole it. Um, who just yeah didn't they they took the, the the Nobel Prize, but I think she was actually instrumental in actually that them understanding or finding the the double helix yeah. structure anyway, and like she was the one who actually did the work, and uh, she wasn't just you know there. And uh, yeah, so really sad. And I'm sure that's happened multiple, multiple, multiple times, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, political biases is the next controversy. The Nobel Peace Prize in particular has faced criticisms for its perceived political biases. Some laureates have been criticised for their role in ongoing conflicts or not for not achieving lasting peace, leading to debates about the awards criteria and selection process. Uh, notable controversial laureates include... Harry Henry Kissinger, uh, which we'll find out quick who who he is. Uh, American diplomat, politician, scientist, geopolitical consultant who served the U.S. Secretary of State and National Security Advisor. Um, was a Jewish refugee who fled Nazi Germany with his family. Okay, so uh, but there's something to do with China. Yeah. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize on 10th of December 1973 for the work in negotiating the ceasefires contained in the Paris Peace Accords on ending the war and restoring peace in Vietnam, signed the previous January. Uh, according to Erwin Abrams, the prize was the most controversial to date. Yeah. Yeah. The other one was a... Uh... Aung San Suu Kyi, which is a Myanmar politician. Uh, and she... I don't know why, but she was on the house arrest. So, I don't know. So, controversies oh. run there. Um, 
Next one, later wards. Another one, which I, which I, which you said when it has to be in the previous year or if this will be alive. In some cases, Nobel prizes have been awarded years or even decades after the original discoveries have been made. Leading to questions about the timeliness and fairness of recognition. For example, in 2016, the Nobel Prize for Physics for the discovery of gravitational waves was awarded more than a century after Albert Einstein's predictions. Oh, wasn't that because um, we had just detected our first gravitational waves? Yeah, proved it. But yeah, like, I, I appreciate he shouldn't have got the award for that, though. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But it, it does, it does bring into discussion, like, <laughs> they didn't, because it was so advanced and of its time, they obviously couldn't give it to him at its time because you couldn't prove it. Because yeah. the, you know, the math was, was going on and right, but you, you couldn't prove it with like anything concrete with like a big telescope or a sensor or whatever. So I, it's a hard one. It's certainly hard. I mean, even now we're, we're, we're pretty sure it wasn't 100% right. Mm. Um, but it certainly laid the foundation for, for many. It was close enough to lay the foundations for many things. And so, yeah. Um, but it also kind of takes away from someone who may have done something in that time, right? And could have been awarded it. And I guess that's part of the controversy. If he's not alive, then who is alive? Who could have got that that year instead? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Is, is the question there. Revisions of the Nobel Prizes. It said that the Nobel Prizes were established over a century ago, and some argue that they may need to adapt or expand to better reflect the complexities of modern science and society. For example, there have been discussions about the need for a Nobel Prize in Environmental Science or the revision of Economic Sciences category to address emerging economic challenges. Yeah, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, are they just not expanding it because there was those five things, and they're trying to like respect the will and you know, not change it and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think environmental sciences or, but you know, biology in general, that's outside of medicine and physiology would be nice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other, like another hard line science, but it's becoming so in interdisciplinary these days. Yeah. It's like, during school we had like biology physics chemistry those were the three yeah and for me those yes. will always be the pillars yeah and there may be some they, they are the pillars really but and then there's a lot of overlap between them right yeah um i, I was speaking to some students about this today like it really is like when you're going through school and uh, college you you have that exact thing as you said your biology chemistry physics that's it mm -hmm. and you you get to university or higher and you're like well that that's that's what it is and you kind of think of these three avenues that you can go down but in reality there is a, it's an infinite spectrum i guess you can dip into one you can dip into all three um you can pick two and, and cross them over like astrobiology it's a really good <laughs> mix of um yeah. physics in terms of like planetary biology uh, planetary formation biology in terms of life and then chemistry in terms of like primordial soup stuff right um it's a really really interesting really interesting mix of things mm -hmm. so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it i don't think they will but i think it would be appropriate to do so yeah 
By the way, if anybody wants a book on academic privilege, um, there is one written by Jeffrey Dirardi Leo. Uh, it was written three years ago. Okay, we have to do um, training on this. Well, check you're checking your privilege. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. And uh, how to um, try and avoid it in, in, in the future. Of course, like, you know, one step's already been done. Like, who's there? Who's made it to you, right? Uh, who's made it into the institution? And you have no control over that. But um, once they, they are there, how can you as staff... Um, try and minimize privilege over some students over the others. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. all all the case. Like, it's so difficult to do because, like, university was it's such a, like a, a melting pot of like different people coming together. And as because you you lecture now, don't you? At times, you you do yeah say, um, like taking notes even the speed in which you speak, there'll be some individuals that, you know, can afford to have like a MacBook or something like that and will have had a MacBook their whole lives or had a a laptop their whole lives or technology. So typing, they can type, they can touch type. They can type really quick. Yeah. So you have to be aware of like that or the person that's there with a pen and paper because they can't afford the device, the laptop. Yeah. And I'm not saying or some people who have managed to save, like their family have managed to save because they are going to university, but they've yeah. never had the skills to practice touch yeah, typing 100%. and things like that, right? So you have to be aware of like when you are lecturing. I'm not saying you, but when one does, you have to yes. be aware of the privilege because in that situation, you can't be like blah 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 next next thing blah blah blah. And I yes, mean, no, exactly. I had a few lecturers that were like that, and I just absolutely hate it. <laughs> absolutely hate it. Yeah. No, one of the things we have at the minute is uh, so. I'm, helping with first year biology labs. Uh, and you have people who, you know, the, the way it works in St. Andrews or Scotland is, is slightly different. Your first two years, you can just kind of take whatever you want. Um, and then your third and fourth year, as long as you've taken feeder modules, you can go into them. So if I want to do biology in the third year, I have to pass biology in first and second year. But outside of that, I can do whatever modules I like. It can be physics, it can be sports science, it can be art, history doesn't really matter um so we have like one but like a group of pure biologists who want to be there doing biology who have very different experiences some have done lab work some who've never been in a lab before and then two people who's just taking this module because they don't know what else to take and they have varying experiences and uh let's say motivation to complete so again you really have to be as you're saying wary of what position people are in there mm-hmm. um and give everyone equal time and opportunity yeah they, they did that to my course um after i left essentially so my course i, I specifically chose my course because it was cybersecurity management um it was less tech based more like risk governance which really what i went into my job um because yeah, that's like fair. what i enjoyed more because i could have done like cybersecurity the degrees i was security at like a different university that was more like you learn all the different codes, uh, coding languages. Right. You do all like heavy networking. You write all the stuff. You learn all the stuff like from tech point of view. But I did spend three years doing tech, so I did the management stuff. But after I finished, they changed it so the first year, 
I think it's the first and the second year was like these vague, generic courses, uh, modules that weren't cybersecurity based. And then the final year, you could then do cybersecurity. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And I was like, I, and I said to my, because I had a good relationship at the time with the, the, the leader, the guy that ran the course. I was like, if you, if you presented, if I was presented with this when I started, I wouldn't have come to Bournemouth. But it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't have gone because like yeah. it doesn't interest me at all. Because a lot of the stuff that they were doing in the first year was like stuff that I had done just as um, being an IT technician, like computers yeah. and things. It was really going from the fact like you'd never seen a computer before all the way to... Build um, everyone up to the same level. Yeah, which they they did on my course, but like for really specific things like um, the OSI model and things like that, which if you right. had used to use a computer, you wouldn't have known of, but it's slightly more technical. Like, yeah. So. That's a shame. Yeah. Privilege. Um, everywhere. Got to check it. Yes. Got to check it. Check your privilege. Yeah. I have, I have um, a, a weekly check my privilege when I just go and buy <laughs> sweets from the shop and think nothing of it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's it's a good like, time to do it. I can just go and do that and not have to worry. That's my privilege. I'm very yeah, privileged because I can do it's that. It's valid. Yeah. It's absolutely valid. Um, other people with the privilege this year of receiving Nobel Prizes, uh, I guess we should uh take a look at those unless you got anything else to uh, add on the, to the controversies um yeah got loads mate secrecy and lack of transparency because it's you know the process selection process is shrouded in secrecy the deliberations of the noble committee are confidential which can lead to sense about transparency potential biases in the decision making process because it's secret they don't you know you can't tell if there's biases going on uh, that's yeah that's that we fair don't know. um the other one is national and gender representation critics have pointed out disparities in national and gender representation among Nobel laureates. Some countries have historically received more recognition than others, and there has been a gender imbalance in several Nobel Prize categories, highlighting need for greater diversity and inclusion. Um, it's one of those that's a symptom of a bigger issue, in my opinion. Yeah, the systemic gender imbalance. Yeah, yes. like the, the imbalance, like of the people who have been nominated and the disparity there is a symptom rather than them doing it on purpose, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, the yeah, I, down I down the pipeline, a uh, imbalance has occurred due to societal conditioning or whatever the, has caused it, and the prize and the percentages is, like, a at the end of the pipe. Yeah, at the institution level is the problem that needs to be fixed, not at the price yeah. level. So, like, yeah. not enough women going into science because of institutionalized sexism from the start. And then yes. this is the output at the end. Because if you look at the statistics of, like, how many, well, the split is going in, like, how many, the, the, the gendered aspect of, like, PhD general aspect of a doctorate and then going on and staying and then even finding something that's worthy of a Nobel Prize is like so diminishing. You've oh, a really small chance. Oh, 100%. Right. Mm. 100%. So, symptomatic there. Right. That's it. That's it. Controversies. That's as much. Right. Also, um, so- he was a racist. Uh, he was anti Semitic. Sorry, no, he's a racist. 
<laughs> anti semitic no, I was just looking at the gender split of uh, postgraduate researchers in the UK. Um, and since 2008, women have outnumbered men in, as postgraduate researchers. Um, 50.3%. But what I, this is what I was saying earlier. I think, you know, give it 20, 30 years, we will start to see uh, the shift. Um, maybe it should happen. But before that, oh, I'm not on the foundation, so it's not going to be for me to, to say. But the 2023 winners, uh, before we wrap up the show in physics, we mentioned this last week. Uh, in the news, Pierre Agostini, Ferenc Kraus, and Anne Lulier for experimental methods that generate attosecond pulses of light for the study of electron dynamics in matter. Um, go listen to the news last week, uh, but a very quick rundown is uh, electrons move too fast for us to be able to detect them. They look like a blur. So if we can take pictures of them um, every attosecond, we can see them and just put together like a stop motion animation and then see and see how they work. And it's got some really interesting applications there uh, for technology and communication. Uh, for physiology and medicine, you have Kathleen Carico and Drew Weissman for their discoveries concerning nucleoside base modifications that enable the development of effective mRNA vaccines against COVID-19. The discoveries by the two Nobel laureates were critical for developing effective mRNA vaccines against COVID-19 during the pandemic that began in early 2020. Through their groundbreaking findings, which have fundamentally changed our understanding of, MRA, of how mRNA interacts with our immune system, the laureates contributed to the unprecedented rate of vaccine development during one of the greatest threats to human health in modern times. Uh, in chemistry, we have... Uh, Mungi G. Bawendi, Louis Bruce, and Alexei Ekimov for the discovery and synthesis of quantum dots. Now, quantum dots are incredibly interesting. Do I have the time to give you the background and understanding you would need to understand quantum dots? No. But uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the, the quickest rundown uh, we, we may think of here. The applications might be lost here, but it is very, very cool. Um, so the Nobel Prize in Chemistry 2023 awards the discovery and development of quantum dots, which are nanoparticles so tiny that their size determines their properties. Normally, everyone who studies chemistry learns that the element's properties are governed by how uh, how many electrons it has. Um, and even when you have like a big spoon compared to a small spoon, uh, it, the properties are determined by the shape it has. However, when you get so small, the properties uh, properties are determined by its size and some nanoparticles are either sh their color is determined purely by their size um, so these have really uh, unique applications in light and transfer from televisions led lamps qled all that kind of stuff um, it comes back to this uh, nano dot technology in literature john foss john fosse for his innovative plays and prose which give voice to the unsayable. The Peace Prize, Peace Prize sorry, was given to Najis Mohammadi for her fight against the oppression of women in Iran and her fight to promote human rights and freedom for all. And as I said earlier, the prize in economic sciences was given to Claudia Golden for having advanced her understanding of women's labour market outcomes. So, yeah really interesting stuff you can go to the nobel prize website and read in detail about each of the laureates and, and why they won and the, the achievements that they uh, brought forth to us but yeah really cool stuff 
really cool stuff going on. Uh, but I think with that, it will bring us over the hour. So we'll wrap it up there. Don't forget shares with your friends, families, co-workers, uh, anyone really. Plants. We heard if you uh, play us, house plants grow they do. better, yeah. fatter, just fatter. Longer. <laughs> hey, if you if you've got some succulents, you want them to be fat. Um, you can also find us on uh, socials that we may or may not use. Uh, Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntryPod, Instagram InformationEntryPod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now. If you go, if you can throw us a like, rating, share, whatever, comment, we'd appreciate that absolutely massively. Uh, have you got anything else to add there, mate? No, no, that's it. Awesome source. We'll catch you guys the next week. Peace. Yeah,